Daily Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 182, Private Airplane Passenger Safety. What you need to know, coming up in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Uh, I am here with John Grable, author of Private Airplane Passenger Safety, What You Need to Know. You know, as pilots, we enjoy sharing our passion for aviation and want to take our friends and family flying. You know, one topic which many times comes up in conversation with our potential passengers is how safe is flying. Well, one person who's really addressed this is John in his book, Private Airplane Passenger Safety, What you need to know. Although John's written this book for passengers, we can all learn from his advice in this simple-to-read and informative book. We can help our potential first-time flyers by having them read this book along after reading it ourselves. You know, let's read it first and then give it to our passengers. It really can help all learn the advantages of private flying, dispel some myths about private aviation, and help us as pilots project a positive image as an aviator upon the aviation community as a whole. Let's do the pre-flight. You know, before we get started, a quick shout-out to our sponsors, aviationcareerspodcast.com slash scholarships. Those are scholarships for all ages, backgrounds, and ratings, from 500000 to 65000 You can get your aerobatic training. You can also get a 727 rating. Or go out and fly a warbird. All types of scholarships in there are in there, and it's only $10 for one-year access. So find that at aviationcareerspodcast.com slash scholarships. Also, quick announcement. We will see you at AirVenture July 22nd through 28th. I'll be the guy in the orange Stuck Mike Avcast t-shirt. Please say hello and also to the rest of our crew. Now entering cruise flight. Well, without further ado, let me welcome John Grable. Welcome to the podcast, John. Well, thank you very much. It's good to be here. Yeah, we are on opposite coasts right now, and uh, we are enjoying some warm weather just like you are uh, on the West Coast, and there is quite a bit of aviating going on in your state, that's for sure, in California. That's true. It's a very (laughs) active aviation state. Well, John, I I read this book, uh, Your Private Airplane Passenger Safety, What You Need to Know. And what's interesting is I took the book and I handed it to my wife last night. I said, listen, you need to read this. And the reason I said that is, you know, she's flown with me twice. That's it. And uh, there's a lot of people in her family that are concerned about safety and, and et cetera, just from our pilot perspective and also a maintenance perspective. And I think this covers a lot of really good topics and is helpful both uh, with People in my family, I've been flying for, gosh, I don't know, almost 30 years, and I still uh, have a lot of people that are reticent about flying. I think this is going to dispel a lot of myths, I think, uh, to those people that are in my family. Um, But, you know, there has to be a reason. I mean, this is going to help me. Uh, There has to be a reason as to why you actually wrote this book. Well, it it was motivated by 
listening to a story that my wife told about her encounter in a, as a private airplane passenger many years ago before I knew her and before she became a pilot herself. But she went for a ride with a friend of a friend in a Cessna 152, and it turned out to be, it started off being a really nice, pleasant flight. And uh, without getting into all the details, it ended up being a very traumatic, upsetting uh, event. And when she was telling me the story, I thought to myself, man, she did not have a clue about how to interpret the things the pilot said or did or didn't do. And that got me thinking that a lot of passengers are sitting back in an airplane, a private airplane, with, with no good information about the behavior of their pilot and what that might mean for the safety of the, of the flight. Well, interesting. Now, as far as I know that a, a lot of us go towards an aircraft and they are excited to be up in the air and they're flying on a private aircraft from a small aircraft up to a, a large jet. Um, there are common you know, fears amongst the passengers, passengers that I fly, et cetera. And I'm usually pretty good at dis, you know, dispelling some of those or calming their nerves, et cetera. But it does take some. It, it takes some some time, and some people aren't as good at that. What I'd like to do is is find you know kind of from you here, basically for someone who's new to this private flying. If I'm a pilot, what are some of those fears like, and, and some of the concerns that you hear from your research from passengers? Well, most of their concerns are not really rational. They're they're emotional. Uh, and they, they range from a fear that the plane will simply fall out of the sky. That's kind of a tough one to deal with. Um, there are uh, other concerns about the mechanical integrity of the airplane. They, they worry about that. Concerning the mechanical integrity, you know, what, that was like our last episode we talked about. Is your aircraft airworthy? And, uh, and we we talked about different things uh, as far as the philosophy is concerned from us as pilots and renters, et cetera. But there's also, uh, you know, the concern from the passenger, you know, how, you know, are there any tools we can give those passengers maybe to put them at ease? You know, the first one, the fear that you talked about uh, that are irrational and uh, it's just, you know, these are fears that we all have, you know, or many people have, I should say, you know, when you come into a situation where you're not in control, et cetera. Um, but there's, and there's lots of resources online, uh, as far as those fears are concerned, but the concerns about safety and, and even looking at, um, mechanical ability of the aircraft, what kind of tools can you give somebody that's a, a new to flying with me or with somebody else that owns a private aircraft? Well, if they really want to know more, of course the internet is filled with information that could help them make judgments about the safety of the planned flight. Uh, on the other hand, they could read the book uh, and learn a lot about how to make those evaluations. And speaking of making those evaluations, a kind of a neat system that you came up with in this book, and um, and it's it's kind of similar to some of our pre-flight checklists as pilots. You know, there's a system of yellow and red flags, and uh, kind of explain that a little bit how how you came up with that methodology and and what that means. They're yellow and red flags. Well, there's some things that I thought passengers should know about that are really bad, uh, and I if a passenger I mean, the obvious one, if the passenger sees that the uh, pilot or pilots is 
somehow compromise their their you know that that they maybe have been consuming alcohol or uh, other substances. Clearly, you don't want to go flying with a pilot like that. So that that kind of a thing would be assigned a red flag. But there are other things that get red flags, and there's some things that uh, get a yellow flag. You know, a single yellow flag observation might be okay to to continue with the flight. Two yellow flag observations is a little bit more uh, of a concern, and of course, three yellow flags I I think is equivalent to one red flag. So, one red flag or three yellow flags, I would encourage the passengers to really consider not going on the on the trip. So, what are uh, you know as as pilots? You know, we're looking at uh, the passengers are looking at us, and they're um, looking at us as private pilots. You know, what are some of the common traits that uh, you would see, maybe as an example in your book, uh, of a private pilot that uh, that would be a good trait and possibly one that might be a yellow or red flag type of trait? Well, the passenger briefing is really important. It's a, it's an FAA requirement, even for small private planes. And I, we found that it goes a long way to bolstering the confidence and um, comfort of passengers when they get a thorough, detailed briefing. We have laminated passenger briefing cards that we carry in the cockpit, and we go over every item, including how to turn on the ELT and other details like that, how to, how to, kick, your, how to kick out the, the baggage door if you found yourself back in the baggage compartment, things like that. We, and we spend about, for new passengers that have never done it before, we spend maybe 15 minutes going over a detailed passenger briefing that's bolstered by a written checklist for passenger briefings. And that, that goes a long way to helping passengers feel comfortable with, with the flight. And I would encourage all the pilots out there to really be thorough in their passenger briefing. And we, we in our planning for a flight, we set time aside in our plans of when we're going to arrive at the airport, how long it's going to take to do the pre-flight when the passengers are going to arrive, and how we're going to brief them. And that makes sense to do those things in advance and not take, you know, a lot of times we find people come to the airport and rushing to go and, and do something, and uh, that you taking that time away from the airplane says a lot as a pilot, you know, and to the passengers and shows that you have an attitude towards safety, and that's, that's really, really important. Yeah, the passenger briefing has two, two aspects of it, two benefits. One is it's the important information that the passengers need to have in case there's a problem. And so one of the things that I think we need to do is anytime we do have this type of passenger briefing cards, et cetera, and we've talked about this in past episodes, uh, it really is important that we share those things so that they can actually get that feeling, a positive feeling when we go up and fly. It kind of lends itself to a question as far as flying in general, you know, as far as a private aircraft is concerned. We're talking all different types of private aircraft from, a, say, a little, you know, J3 Cub all the way up to, say, a, a, a Lance, up to a, a twin Cessna to a jet. You know, what, you know, when you're with a person that's actually thinking about going flying, it's like, well, why would I even think about flying? And uh, I know I can answer that question because I love flying, but but 
But what are some of the answers you come up with when you ask that question? Well, uh, first of all, it's more efficient and fast. And second of all, because we're flying at lower altitudes than the commercial air- airlines fly, it's a much more pleasant, beautiful experience because you're seeing details on the ground that normally you, you wouldn't see. Um, I, I remember this one flight we made with a couple in the in the back, and they had gone to this destination many times by automobile, and it had taken five to six hours. And we got there in an hour and 20 minutes. And as soon as we touched down, and as we were rolling out, the gal in the back said, man, I see why you do this now. <laughs> and she was just dumbfounded at how quickly and efficiently and hassle-free it was to to make that trip. And some of these trips, um, the ability to go places would really be limited because of, say, terrain or the fact that these are remote islands. And with an airplane, boy, you can get to some places that are absolutely phenomenal that you, you couldn't do otherwise. Just, I mean, look at in Florida and where I am. I mean, there's so many different islands that you can go to in the Bahamas, et cetera, down the Keys. And it is a wonderful way to get there. And uh, and just for our families and our friends, trying to tell them, hey, listen, you know, if, it, if you went down to the Keys, it'd take you eight hours from here where I am now. It takes me two hours in an airplane. That does save a lot of time. Plus, you're on your own schedule, et cetera. Um, one of the things that I think is really important, though, is... With a passenger, sometimes we forget to do this, is we forget to tell them how to prepare for the flight. Uh, you, can, you somewhat address that in this book, correct? A little bit. We talk about uh, luggage and the, 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 the pilot should be sensitive to how much luggage is being put on the airplane and where it's being put. Um, so we, we do discuss that a little bit. So from our perspective as pilots, most people that are listening to this are, are pilots. You know, why should somebody think about buying this book, The Private Airplane Passenger Safety, What You Need to Know? Why should I purchase this as a pilot? Well, uh, it will. Uh, you, you, as a pilot, you'll see certain things that, that will encourage you to make small adjustments to the way you plan your flight and the way you execute the flight that will make you and your passengers more comfortable. Um, without any passenger briefing or, or orientation of the passenger, you run the risk of the passenger uh, hitting you with a lot of questions during busy times in the cockpit. So the book will help a, a, by reading the book and making those adjustments, it will help the pilot communicate a little bit more clearly with his or her passengers. So one of the ways you can find this book, by the way, is on Amazon. It's a you know, Kindle book. It's also in the uh, iBookstore, uh, Books a Million, etc. But uh, to do that, we actually have a link on our website uh, to your website there that has all those links and also to the Amazon book. It can be downloaded as an e-book, too. So if you want to put this on your iPhone or your iPad and read it, it's available. It's available also, obviously, in a, in a printed format. And uh, it's really, I think it's a great resource, and it should be on the shelf of everybody's uh, house uh, or FBO where they can pull it out and say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about flying an airplane and going with a friend, you know, what do I need to know? Well, here, 
read this air, this book here about private airplane passenger safety. And also those folks that are out there looking to charter aircraft, etc. You know, John, one thing that we didn't talk about is uh, your experience as a pilot. You've been doing this for a few years. I know that uh, you've been doing it for over 50 years because you did get the FAA's uh, Master Pilot Award. So congratulations on that, first of all. Thank and, you. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your background in aviation. Uh, just I know you have this passion for it. Just uh, uh, It started at a very young age, didn't it? Well, in um, when I was in eighth grade, um, the the eighth grade teacher was surrounded by a bunch of other students as she was passing our photographs around, and I got closer and I noticed one of the photographs had a picture of a glider on it, and I showed a lot of interest. And the teacher um, uh, made arrangements to take me with her and her neighbor who owned this glider out to uh, the desert to get exposed to glider flying. And um, I got very interested in flying gliders, but as a, as a preteen or a teenager, I, I, there was no way I could go out to the desert and take glider lessons. And uh, when I was about 17, I discovered that I could learn to fly power planes and did, in fact, get a private license while I was still in, in high school. And uh, I've been an active aviator ever since those days. So you're one of those people that probably could fly before they could drive? Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I, I had the passion, I had the fire in the belly for flying, just like you and I'm sure many of your listeners can relate to that. Oh, yeah, that's that's for sure. The, uh, and so you went on, you got your single, your multi-glider, uh, and uh, your flight instructor also. So you're still active in aviation, as a matter of fact, an owner of an aircraft. Uh, you fly a Cessna, I think a, a Skyline, is it? A Turbo Skyline with yeah. a G1000 oh, class. Yeah. A beautiful plane, that's for sure. So you actually truly know what it's like to own that magic carpet that can take you to those places. And, uh, and that's uh, one of the things I like to tell people is that it's almost like a magic carpet. It opens this whole new world and allows you to get from point A to point B, but it also allows you to enjoy that journey uh, from point A to point B. That's yes. <laughs> it is one of the reasons we love to fly, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things, too, I, I, it's interesting. You've actually not just flown in the U.S. You've, said, I think, flown down to Central America. And have you taken the Skylane down there or another aircraft? No, it didn't take the Skylane down there. But in, in one of my past lives, uh, I had a partnership for with two other guys. We purchased a brand-new Citabria. And um, and we had uh, this one of my airplane partners, myself, we each had – 10 days of vacation so we said all right let's fly south for five days you know from sun up to sundown oh, wow. and then and then turn around and come back and we thought we could make it to the equator but we we foolishly did this in august which is the rainy season in central america <laughs> <laughs> so but we did make it to the panama canal oh wow and then uh, and and did, did an oil change down there with the local fbo and then headed back and we we did it without violating our vacation uh, uh, eligibility. Wow, that's incredible. And uh, so you just kind of took off and went. There must have been some planning involved. Oh, yeah. The, the AOPA provides a lot of assistance in making long international flights. And you, and you tell them where you're going to go and what visas you have. And we, we, there, there are consulates in the L.A. area that allowed us to get visas for all of the countries we thought we would be visiting. And the AOPA puts together this very impressive-looking book of uh, all the papers that you need to, to make such a trip. 
You know, you mentioned AOPA, and uh, one of the things that I think some of our passengers might want to think about is possibly maybe learning to fly or at least uh, taking one of these pinch hitter courses, uh, which involves some ground school and some flying. They can obviously find that at AOPA.org. That is just one of the many resources, like like you were saying, with helping you along your journey. There's so much that they have on there. It's it's absolutely incredible. I'm sure you use it quite often yeah, now. For sure. Yeah, it's a very good resource. And I think you even mentioned that in your book. I mean, at the end, it's like, well, why not just... And I love the fact you do that, is the fact that you encourage people to maybe get out there and, and try it for themselves. Um, honestly, I it's kind of funny. I'm a, I'm a little bit afraid of heights, and uh, a little bit of a nervous flyer was, obviously. And uh, that, I found out, is not uncommon to be a trait of pilots, being nervous flyers at one point, and all of a sudden now... Here I am, a flight instructor, and and loving to fly every day, and and getting to go up in the air and seeing some amazing places, um, and things that you couldn't do otherwise. Um, I just got to see in uh, Bermuda and uh, flew out to Bermuda, uh, just these kind of things that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise um, if you didn't have that ability to jump in an airplane and do that. It's just absolutely phenomenal. For sure. Uh, one of the things that I think is is neat about uh, John about writing this book is the fact that you do have a lot of experience uh, in both business and also uh, in aviation. You've had this this long repertoire of flights, etc. And one of the the things that I think you've done really well here is you've taken some of these topics and really, without really strong technical language, you've boiled it down to a point where. Even I could give this to somebody who knows nothing about airplanes and aviation, and they can actually read it and understand it. So I think that's a, a great thing that you've done. Yeah, I've had s- some people who have read the book uh, and were non-pilots at all come back to me and tell me, wow, I, I-, I had no idea about this or that be- because they just – no one had ever pointed it out to them. So the hope was that the the book would make it easier for passengers to evaluate the situation that they're moving towards. Now, I also mentioned in the book that once you get in a private airplane as a non-pilot, it's all on the line. You've put everything in the hands of your pilot, so it's important that you have confidence and understand uh, the behavior and attitudes and, and remarks that your pilot make as regards the safety of the flight. A lot of it comes down to, and that's something that it seems as a topic throughout here, is is the pilot's attitude and their safe attitudes. And in reality, if you look at accidents, it's uh, not the mechanical part of things that wind up getting us in trouble. It's it's all our attitudes, isn't it? Yes, it is. And that's something I think is wonderful about you stressing here, which also, one thing too, just reflecting on reading this, as a pilot and as someone who is going to be taking up more passengers and uh, is looking at an airplane again, and um, it makes me reflect on what I need to do better as a pilot. You know, at work, I work for the airlines, so there's certain verbiage I can and cannot use and that type of thing. And we are all cognizant uh, all of, of what we say and our image that's projected, how important it is. But sometimes what happens is we get out in the, the quote-unquote real world 
and we let our guard down and we say things that we probably shouldn't say in front of passengers. Uh, and it may be that we're joking and that's probably not a good idea. And I've been guilty of doing that myself and saying, oh, man, why in the world did I say that? Uh, so I think this kind of is good for me as a pilot and it's good for those pilots that are out there thinking of, of bringing some passengers along. They, I think you should read this, you know, at least get the, the ebook version and download it and and look through the eyes of your passengers and looking at you as a pilot. And I, I think it would be incredibly helpful. Helpful, I think you would, would agree with that, John. I would, and I think that pilots should make the effort to be passenger-centric in everything they do, particularly when the passengers are, are, are nearby and within earshot. I think it's important. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, when you start talking about, oh my gosh, I didn't get any sleep last night, that's probably not a good idea to, to bring that up uh, in a conversation. Well, maybe it is a good thing because maybe it's time to stop that flight and say, hey, maybe I should go get some get some rest, et cetera. Well, I, I wanted to comment on um, the, the interest in the book on the part of passengers uh, or would-be passengers. A, friend, a pilot friend of mine who's a, who's a commercial pilot, very active, says that he gets phone calls from non-pilot friends who are thinking about going for – becoming pastors with other people that, that that my buddy didn't know. And they were seeking his advice on how to judge whether or not they should go. So this book, I think, goes a long way in helping people resolve those kinds of questions. And I think a lot of would-be passengers are concerned and want to know more, but they don't even know what question to ask. Right. And this enables them to ask those questions, you know, uh, things like, you know, hey, can I bring my child along flying? Can I bring my my dog with me? Exactly. Uh, th those type of things. And, you know, are we going to need to have uh, oxygen on, that type of thing? And, uh, you know, how's the pressurization work in your airplane? Well, we don't have some in, our, in certain yeah. airplanes, that type of thing. Um, the other thing, too, I think is interesting uh, for passengers, and I think you addressed this in, in one of your chapters, is the fact that, you know, we when we get on an airliner, we go, oh, okay, I can just bring the whole, you know, I can bring a an elephant with me. But that's not quite true in a smaller airplane, which is, I think, maybe in the luggage. I can't remember where you, you address this. But uh, they you start realizing that it is important, especially in a smaller plane, that uh, that you wear proper clothing and bring uh, make sure that your bags aren't loaded down with lead, say. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's... Again, that's being passenger-centric and thinking about these things and be sure that your passengers understand uh, what they need to do to make their flight as comfortable as possible for them. I thought it was interesting where you mentioned about uh, even uh, shoes and the proper shoes to wear because uh, maybe not so much in the aircraft possibly, but walking around the ramp, there's, there's some small obstacles that we might bump our toes on, aren't there? If, yes, and it's very easy to not see them because your vision tends to be more long distance. You're looking at airplanes taking off and landing as you, you know, they may be a half a mile away, and you have your head up looking at them as you're walking around the ramp. And those hard points that are drilled into the asphalt in some cases can really be ugly. I've had some experiences where people have gotten hurt by yeah. stumbling, stumbling into those things. 
You know, some of the other common questions we get, and uh, this actually comes up as a topic, a conversation amongst us as pilots, and uh, you get a lot of opinions on this one, is discussing busier airports. And they'll be like, well, of course you can't fly into LaGuardia or something like that. And it's, it's funny because I took a picture of a Cirrus landing in LaGuardia. And, uh, you know, while we're, I was sitting there waiting for my next airplane, and people were, I got some interesting you know, feedback. And I think maybe people don't realize we can fly to any airplane airport in the U S that we want to pretty much. Pretty much. Um, (laughs) I think it's important to, um, for, for passengers to believe that their pilot has really planned the flight to these busy airports really well. And in my view, that's the key to making a successful approach landing and, and taxiing and tie down at a really busy airport is to plan it out. And if the passenger gets the feeling that the pilot just said, oh, let's go to LaGuardia or some busy airport, that ought to be fun. And you don't, as a passenger, you don't get the feeling that he's either been there many times before or has really planned it out. There's, uh, to the passengers out there, there are many resources available to the pilot to, 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 uh, for him or her to understand what the requirements are to fly into a big, busy airport. And it can be done safely if the planning is thorough. One of the things you also mentioned about planning and going to different places is the fact that does the pilot have the experience to actually complete this type of flight? I think you talk about length of flight and also the type of flight, just like you're talking here with airspace. Uh, it, it really also makes you reflect as a pilot and realize, you know, these are things that that we need to be cognizant of is, you know, we need to say to ourselves, hey, I haven't flown into Class Bravo airspace in the past 10 years. Maybe I should uh, get up with an instructor first, or I haven't flown over water. I need to do some re- reviewing before I do that. Uh, you actually address that here in the book as far as experience is concerned, don't you? Yes. And, again, I, I think planning is really, really important. The, the more, the better. So one of the things that we see in the news a lot is uh, there's obviously there's plane crashes about you know every day every other day and uh, if you compare it to car crashes it's it's very low obviously uh, but it it brings out a lot of the news media when this does happen uh, and it, it, what happens is you start talking about you find that you start talking about those plane crashes and people do are concerned and usually it's the most recent crashes on their mind and uh if it's somebody who forgot to fill their tanks with gas they'll say hey did you put but uh gas in the in the airplane but there's even the possibility that those passengers may have been able to help prevent that flight that crash possibly right it's possible i i'd like to think that um somewhere out there a passenger is going to ask a question of a pilot that will cause the pilot to alter his or her behavior just a little and avoid an accident. It's the kind of thing you you, you can't really prove, but in my gut, I feel like there are things passengers can do by asking questions and showing an interest that might, just might alter the pilot's behavior in a positive way. So, you know, one of the things uh, that's been on our minds in aviation all the time is we always look at stats and we always want to improve the safety uh, in flying in general, commercially, but 
specifically private flying. You know, you've been doing this for a while. It's been over 50 years you've been flying. And um, in your opinion, uh, this industry that we're in, this aviation industry and private flying, uh, have you seen any changes over the past 50 years regarding passenger safety? Uh, y- yes. The main thing is that the advent of avionics, uh, the, the equipment that's available today is just just astonishingly superior to what we had when we first started flying. So in that regard, um, it seems to me that uh, flying nowadays is a bit safer than it was flying in the old days just because of the of the avionics, the GPS, and the high-quality uh, radios that we have. The other thing is, uh, when I learned to fly um, as a teenager, the, the men that taught me how to fly themselves learned how to fly in the 30s and 40s. And their attitude about mechanical problems is interesting because they always taught me that it's not if an engine fails, but when the engine is going to fail. Because in, in their day, the, the, the reliability of the equipment was, was not stellar, and they had more engine failures than, than we have nowadays. And nowadays, I think it's more if the engine fails, do uh, such and such. It just seems like the, the equipment is much more reliable these days than it was back in the old days, particularly if, it's, if the equipment is maintained properly. That's a great point. Uh, if you look at engines, I mean, you see people that uh, go whole careers, uh, and airline pilots that go whole careers flying 30,000 hours with no engine failures. It speaks, yes. speaks a lot towards the, the reliability of engines. Uh, and I know we're talking jet engines there, but uh, even those back in the day weren't, weren't as reliable. The other thing, too, I think is really, to me, wonderful, and uh, I, I think you would agree, is the new avionics and technology, the, the failure rates are lower, but also you have the ability with not that much extra cost, add safety by putting in backup systems into that aircraft, which I think are, is phenomenal. Uh, you know, like with your attitude indicators, you can have three attitude indicators if you really wanted to, with not much added cost, couldn't you? That's that's true. And that's true. In, in the in in our airplane, uh, Turbo Skylane one eighty two with the G one thousand, we we do have two attitude indicators. We have the 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 G one thousand attitude indicator, and then we have a standby. So you, you get the feeling that you've got plenty of equipment backing you up. And now, looking back at older airplanes, I know for me, I've flown a lot of old airplanes. And, you know, how many times have you had, uh, you know, vacuum system failures? Uh, You know, I've had maybe three, four or five of those. And I've had, over the course of my career, about 10 attitude indicator failures. But it didn't matter in the airplanes that were closer to this time uh, frame because of the fact that, I had backups for all that. You know, okay, one failed, who cares? I have another one that's working right now. Or say a, a screen fails. You have another screen a lot of times as a backup, or you do have another screen as a backup. And the other really cool thing, and this is, this is something that really excited me about uh, safety within the technology and the backups, et cetera. And someone made this point to me that in many aircraft, you're going you're gonna to run out of gas before you run out of 
battery, backup battery for your attitude indicator and your GPS. And I was like, wow, you know what? That, that's an incredible comment because now I know that my backups also will, will get me to my, where I want to be and where I want to land, which I think is really great. Yeah, that's great. And uh, just so much excitement. And that, that's why I think this, this book's cool is because it brings that out. It's like, hey, listen, things really have changed over the years, and it's gotten much safer. Uh, there is a comment, though, I will say I hear sometimes from pilots, and this is amongst pilots, like, oh, you know, you're, you're not really flying an airplane anymore. You're just managing an airplane. And, uh, you know, I've flown a lot of, you know, highly automated aircraft. And believe me, no matter what airplane you're flying, uh, you're still flying the airplane, aren't you? Absolutely. <laughs> and one of the things that you talk about, too, is attitudes. I mean, in reality, uh, that, that safety of that aircraft is because of you and you, the pilot. And that's one of the things that I love that you stress in this, in this, air, this book here, Private Airplane Passenger Safety and What You Need to Know. Um, you know, before we close up here, uh, any other comments on this book as far as, as things that we may have missed to talk about and maybe to, to stress to somebody who's possibly looking at purchasing this for themselves or for a possible passenger or friend? Well, one thing that I've been thinking about, apparently, I've read some articles that apparently the FAA is seriously considering softening the ride-sharing rules regarding um, compensation sharing. Interesting. And um, if that happens, and it kind of feels like it might happen, that means that there will be many opportunities, more opportunities now for passenger, for people to become passengers in private airplanes. So a book like this would be an excellent resource for them and for the pilots that were thinking about ride-sharing operations, they could give this book to uh, their prospective ride-sharing people. That's a great point, and uh, and you know, hopefully that does move forward, and we'll get more people into smaller airplanes because that's what we want to do. We want to grow this this business of of aviation, and uh, from you know, obviously from a you know very personal standpoint, I want it to grow. Uh, being selfish because I love aviation, um, but I also think that it is a great tool, and it's become safer. Uh, as the years have gone by, as we've talked about. And one of the things that I think is great about this book is it does bring to the public that fact that it is safer, and this is how you can tell it's safe, and it really concentrates on you, the pilot, and, and dispels a few myths that are in there. And that you can find by actually looking at the book. It's uh, You can find it on, on our website here at Stuck Mike Avcast. We'll have links uh, to John's uh, website there, and also to all the ways that you can purchase it. It's uh, Amazon, iBookstore, Books a Million, all those different ways you can get that. I really highly recommend this. Uh, and it's uh, not in the price. I think it's like twenty four ninety five for the hardcover. There's also about seven ninety five. I think, is for Amazon. Don't quote me on that one. Uh, but you can find that through the links that we have uh, online. John, this has been awesome that you've brought this book forth. And uh, it really, for me, I think is, is a great tool. And I'm going to have it, uh, I'm going to bring it down to the flight school actually tomorrow and say, hey, listen, you need to put this on the shelf. Okay, great. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, John, again, uh, the ways that they can find you uh, online, uh, I think you have uh, a website out there, uh, is uh, niceflightjoy.com. Is that correct? 
That's correct. All right, terrific. John, this has been awesome talking to you, and I think this is a terrific book, a great resource for me as a pilot, uh, both from the perspective of learning what my passengers might think about me and how I need to act, and also it's a great book to give to people that I want to get into aviation, both from a passenger standpoint and also from a friends and family standpoint. Uh, I am handing this one also. I'm going to loan this to my, my father-in-law, so maybe he'll come flying with me. So, very good. <laughs> John, again, thanks so much. It's been a, a really a pleasure talking to you. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Well, folks, uh, that's it for this episode. Of course, no picks of the week, and uh, hopefully you will check out the book. Again, it's Private Airplane Passenger Safety, What You Need to Know. I'd love to get some feedback from from you, the listener. StuckMikeAvCast at gmail.com, or you can just go to the website, StuckMikeAvCast, and you can actually click on Contact and send us some information. I'd love to hear what you have to say as far as uh, our interview and also about this book. I really highly recommend you reading it and giving it to your passengers. Again, don't forget, we'll be at AirVenture. You'll see some of us in our Stuck Mike Avcast shirts, those orange shirts that say Stuck Mike Avcast. Please come by and say hello. We're actually going to have fun this year. We're not working uh, the show. It's just out there. I'm going to be doing some interviews, of course, uh, but I just can't wait. As most of you know, I'm the last one on the podcast that's never been to AirVenture, and I am really excited to go. Well, folks, we'll talk to you next episode, and safe flying. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.